Good morning to you all. The sun's out now, last. <laughs> it's good. Shall we pray? Um, dear Lord, I just pray that the message you give us today we can take to our hearts and will bless us all in our race through life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I've got two friends, long-term friends of mine, that, that have had significant effect through my life on my Christian walk. One of which is Jim Beveridge, who I've known for a long time. And the other one is a chap called John Greed, who used to be the rector of an Anglican church we go to in Hastings. Um, he moved from Hastings some 17, 18 years ago and went back to the West Country where he came from and became rector of some churches, several churches around street. Um, well, we were very blessed a couple of weeks ago. Well, sorry, it's a bit longer than that, I think now. And he came and stayed with his wife with us for a few days. And it was a great joy to see him and it was lovely to have them there. And one morning when we were sitting down at breakfast, just or they were all sitting at breakfast just before that, I went into the other room and looked at my computer and there was a message from Jim that said, would you talk today? And I thought, yes, that's fine. So I went back to the table. I said, Jim, Jim Beveridge has just asked me to speak today and John said, run the race. That's all he said. And of course, I realised that that was exactly what I was going to talk about. So it's obviously the Lord. I know that we've come to the Olympics now, and uh, it seems not rocket science that he might have said it, but it was so instantaneous that I think this is what the Lord wanted to say this morning. So um, I think we're talking about the running race. I thought that what I might do is do a little bit of research on the training of an Olympian sprinter because we're coming up the Olympics. It seemed very appropriate to think what they do to become champions and what does it take for them to reach sort of world-class level. Um, and I found out that it was estimated that 23 hours a week of quality training was required over a period of eight years. So that's well over 100 or 10,000 cumulative hours, which is a long time. It appears to be the amount of work required to reach a world-class level. And that is 23 hours of quality training with great intensity. Strength training workouts and at least two days a week practice with blocks. Usually occurs twice a week with, so I'm told, 10 to 20 repetitions per session, which is very intensive. Sprinters spend many practices running at half and three-quarter pace in repetition sets. And a typical practice warm-up is a lap or two to loosen up. And Olympic hopefuls will spend the day practicing up to three separate times with meals and rest breaks. And this is all the pain, all the concentration and dedication that has to be done to stand any chance of gaining the prize, the gold medal. And I think if we were fit enough and we put all that time and dedication to the training, what would our chances of any of us becoming a world-class athlete. And well, I'm told it's actually not very good. And that it's less than 1% of all athletes who participate in competitive sports ever reach the elite level. So Olympians really are quite special. 
And we've got today's reading. And can we have it up on the... And it comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And this is what I'm talking about this morning. So if we read through it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This reading pictures the Christian life of faith as a long-distance race rather than a short sprint, with no gold medal but a totally different and much greater prize at the end. It sets out the imagery of an athletic contest in a large stadium surrounded by, as it says, such a great cloud of witnesses. This does seem to imply that they are spectators, but this is not thought to be what is meant in this case. If we read the previous chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews, describes the, and lists the faith of the patriarchs like Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. And these heroes of the past mostly did not receive promises of their faith during their lifetimes, but they kept their faith. These were great people of the Bible who worshipped, worked, walked and waited and all displayed a kind of lifetime faith that pleases God. These are the great crowd of witnesses who set examples by their lives of faith. We must take them as great examples and be encouraged by them to press on. The passage also talks about throwing off everything that hinders, getting rid of excess baggage. Our Olympic athlete needs to do other things apart from all the concentrated training. He or she needs to, sh to watch their body weight without hurting their ultimate performance. Wear clothing that is light and will, not, will allow them good freedom of movement. And getting these things correct is the difference between winning and losing. Well, for our race, we too must lay things aside, every weight that slows us down in our spiritual progress. Sin, in all its forms, is what hinders and what is we need to constantly guard and wage war against. This epistle actually has been written to encourage faithfulness in Christ. And one of the sins it's talking about is the sin of unbelief. The reading talks about the sin so e that so easily entangles us. Even common things like getting cross or malice or blasphemy or even filthy language all could be seen as excess, this excess body weight of excess clothing we do not need for our race. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
Well, actually, there's no mention in the Bible anywhere that the run through life will be easy. Our race is not a sprint, which requires a short explosive burst of energy. No, our race is an extended marathon. When we think about the course, it's not level. It's got mountains and valleys on the route, and it's obvious that we all need what we all need is the endurance to bear it. We've got to apply sustained effort over all our earthly lives. We've got to be faithful, constant, patient, cheerful in our approach. After all, apart from the Olympians, none of us are running the race for a gold medal. Instead, we run and we need to have eyes fixed on Jesus. We must run our race with Christ in view. Jesus was there in the beginning. If we persevere in faithfulness, he will be there when we arrive at the end of our race. We must remember his importance. He was first, the first and the last. He is the founder. He's our king, he's our ruler, and he's the author and originator of our faith. Jesus ran the race before us. What, Jesus, what did Jesus' race look like? Well, whilst on earth, Jesus' pleasure and joy was unhindered, his unhindered closeness to Jesus, to his Father. He was inspired by the privilege of knowing that ultimately he was going to be seated at his right hand. And actually, he's still there. This joy set before him allowed him to endure the cross. That extreme pain and humiliation he must have suffered during that time. He despised the shame all its emotional, spiritual and agony. In Deuteronomy 21, we read that a criminal that had been executed was to have his body hung on a tree or impaled for a while. This criminal was then considered to be under God's curse. Jesus, well, he fully accepted this punishment for our sins and took on that terrible situation himself, becoming a curse for us. And he did that all for us. It was not only the cross that he endured on his race, but he always had to endure the hostility from the sinners around him. Just as Jesus looked at the joy set before him, so we must look to Jesus. We have all to run our race with Christ-like endurance, and it isn't easy, as we all know. Endurance is needed in any long race. The running a marathon has all, its, all these elements. We'll get depressed by it. We want to give up. We get really tired. But we've got to keep on. Christ's cross is not our cross. The weight we bear in our lives is not the weight that Christ bore. We've just got to run and never quit. If we find ourselves flagging our faith, we must look back over Jesus' life. Our race is a race of faith, an all-out battle with sin. Others have suffered more than us, and there's been lots of bloodshed in the past. Our Christian race is individual to each one of us. But we know we have God's word to read and study for instruction and comfort. You have a great fellowship here in this church, and you must rely on on and use the support that each other's given this church. We can all enjoy this. 
And this is part of the joy and special privilege that comes with being Christians. It's a blessing and very special. Just as I felt, you know, when John and Phil were staying with us. It's the same thing. There's an element of joy there, which is part of our life of being Christians. So when you watch the Olympics, either there, if you've got the tickets, I don't know if you are lucky enough to have got tickets, or you're watching it on television, when you see the runners in the starting blocks, remember this. When you see the starting pistol being raised, think of all the dedication, pain, resolve that each athlete has gone through just to reach that point where they started that race. But for everyone in the world, it was God who fired the first starting pistol. He was also in our race, and we have not had to practice the same way. But we do need similar resolve and perseverance in trying to say, live a sinless life. We need also to have faith and love for our Lord. As we run along our race route daily, remember that Jesus is there with us all the time. He never leaves us. I was reading quite recently a, a book. Well, it's a, it's a meditation book, really, through the years, written by a chap called Bill Hybels, who's an American pastor. I think he's actually Dutch. But he was talking about prayer, and he was saying you know, that he found it difficult when he listened to people saying, saying, Dear Lord, please be with me when I'm going to do whatever they're going to do. And he said, Well, that's an absolute nonsense because the Lord is with you. He's with you all the time. And that, in fact, what you really need to be asking is, Will you be more, you be more aware of him and of his presence and get strength from it? So when we run our race, we're running it and Jesus is there, bang with us all the time. And if we don't quit, if we keep going, and we get to the finishing line, Jesus is there again. But he's got his wide, arms wide open for you, welcoming you in. So, amen.